positive heads out there thanks for tuning your beautiful brainwaves into another episode of the positive head podcast where we are firmly convinced that creating success and happiness is rooted in understanding the ultimate nature of reality and the fact that as human beings we are all immensely powerful fractals of the one and only source consciousness which creates and animates all things now of course understanding this powerful truth is one thing Applying this incredibly empowering wisdom to everyday life? Well, that's another. Which is exactly why we provide you with a fresh serving of soul food for thought five days a week to help constantly remind you of what matters most. You are it. And I'm your host, Brandon Beecham. I'm the reflection and extension of you who will be here each Wednesday interviewing a different consciousness changemaker and on the other four weekdays, leading the way to ensure that your perspective is consistently expanded, your vibration is constantly elevated, and your heart is overflowing and full. Also, before we jump into today's episode, I'd like to take a moment to tell you about a few sponsors that not only help to make it possible to produce this show five days a week, but that I'm also genuinely passionate about promoting especially since they're helping to fund all the cool projects we have in the works, such as the Positive Head app, the docuseries that I'm intending to begin shooting within the next year, and whatever else we dream up over here at Positive Headquarters to help spread consciousness across the planet. Now, if you're short on time or just super excited for today's topic and want to dive right in and skip these ads, feel free to fast forward about two and a half minutes to get right into today's show. That being said, I strongly encourage you to listen because the reason I'm passionate about my sponsors is because they've made a huge impact in my own life, which is why I've aligned with these organizations. And I firmly believe they can do the same for you too. The first longtime stellar supporter of this show that I want to mention is Gaia. If you're not familiar, Gaia is the go-to source for streaming consciousness content online with over 8,000 video titles. And you can sign up for your first month for only 99 cents at Gaia.com forward slash positive head. That's spelled G-A-I-A dot com forward slash positive head. The second sponsor I'm extremely passionate about promoting is Purium. The reason I've aligned Positive Head with Purium is because I wholeheartedly stand behind their mission to end human suffering by making superfoods easily available to everyone with the ultimate goal to help restore mankind's harmony with nature in the process. I mean, what a noble mission, right? It's no mystery that you need to bring your mind, body, and spirit into balance if a person truly intends to manifest the greatest and grandest version of themselves. And for me, for years... I honestly felt like I was ahead of the curve in the mind and spirit category, but I was only average at best in the level of care I administered to my body. Sure, I was healthy-ish when it came to the food I put into my system, but after doing a Purium 40-day transformation with a 10-day metabolic reset and cleanse, I can honestly say I have reestablished my relationship with food in a very positive way. 
Not only did I drop the extra weight that I was carrying as a natural byproduct of the transformation so that I'm now at my ideal body weight, but I continue to feel like my best self by starting every day with an organic Purium power shake that is made from raw superfood ingredients that were meticulously harvested, thoughtfully combined to optimize the nutritional impact it has on my body. I view the shake as plant medicine, really, and it happens to taste really delicious and I can make it in about 30 seconds. There's actually four core Purium products that I take every day, and honestly, I intend to do so for the rest of my life for a very scientifically sound reason. And if you want to learn more about those reasons, you can go check out my video at positivehead.com forward slash transformation, where I go into more detail. If you end up buying any of the Purium products, be sure and use the code POSITIVEHEAD, all one word, for a 25% discount. All right, all you positive heads, on this week's Pow Wow episode, I am very excited to have Dr. Teresa Bullard here with me on the show. Teresa is a physicist, author, and teacher who has dived deep into both the scientific and metaphysical realms and is here today to give us a glimpse into her journey and shine a light on what she's discovered along the way. Hey there, Teresa. Welcome to the show. Hi, Brandon. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for 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 joining me. I'm really excited to uh, to dive in deep, as I mentioned, and see what uh, see what wants to come through today. Um, I am, uh, as my listeners know, I'm quite predictable with my opening questioning uh, question and my ending question, and so here's here's to predictability. Uh, you're in an elevator. Uh, the The woman next to you looks over, says, "What's your passion? You have ten floors to answer. What do you say?" <laughs> uh, well, my passion is really helping people to maximize their potential and create their ultimate life by really tapping into their inner resources and figuring out what their true unique purpose is in this life. Um, and to do so, I, I really bring together the best of, of modern science and technologies for, you know, consciousness hacking, so to speak, uh, as well as the um, ancient wisdom tools and techniques mm. of spiritual traditions uh, for really connecting to the potential within our soul. So love that's it. my passion. I love it. I travel all over the world doing it and work with some amazing people. Well, that might have been 11 floors, but we'll, we're going to uh. let it slide. Um, <laughs> you know, and I love that you said, you know, people's unique uh, unlocking people's unique gifts, uh, because that truly is, you know, our superpower. You have, I believe everyone has a, a unique, uh, you know, uh, certainly a unique perspective uh, and unique gift within them, uh, sometimes dormant, waiting to be uncovered. That is their ideal way to live their 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 greatest and grandest life and be the ultimate contribution i think it those two will always go hand in hand and uh you know understanding that your uniqueness is your superpower you know tr be be yourself everyone else is taken and find right. what that is right and i i truly truly uh believe that well that's and that's exactly it and yet so so often people you know we we get 
kind of indoctrinated into uh, the system of whether it's education or culture or religion or, you know, how to be a, a good citizen. And, and we get so indoctrinated into this is how we have to be. And everyone kind of has to fit into these, this, this mold, but that's not what we're really meant to be doing at a spiritual level. Like we're meant to really express our uniqueness and, and we're here to create something that's, that's big and, and new and, you know, and yet each person is often I find they're they're gonna um, take their own gift for granted at some level or mm. they don't they don't think of it as a gift. And so um, they they undervalue what's the resources that are within them. Uh, and so it's really a matter of helping us to recognize what's within and to to really claim it as our peace. And to know and to to take, you know, have the courage and take those leaps that when there's certain things that we really love and that we're really passionate about, you know, we can figure out a way to do that as our, as our full-time mission rather than mm. thinking, well, it'll, it won't pay the bills. Right. Right. Um, right. And so finding those creative ways to, to bring it forward into the world so that others can benefit from that gift. Yeah. I love that. I love that perspective. Like, uh, no, th- th- there, your gift is there. Your gift is going to be fulfilling to you to step into fully. And yes, there is a path to that being the way you also support yourself. And yeah. these are, these are, you know, that's, a, that's a new story for a lot of people. And, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's a really, really good one to be working to, um, to sort of, uh, spread around the, the world, if you will. And you ha- actually have a process that you teach people to help do that. But before we uh, touch on that, um, I would like to also get a a little bit of your background, your story. I I really always find it helpful to understand what someone's journey up to this point has been, Um, you know, to some degree. Uh, You can leave out a few details, but uh, (laughs) I'd love to hear a little bit about the journey to now for you. Sure. Yeah. That, I mean, obviously the whole journey could take forever to to talk about, but um, (laughs) it's, you know, I I grew up in a very open uh, family and had exposure to metaphysics from a pretty early age, but I I didn't really gravitate towards it until I was off to college. So Mm. um, I went into physics as my research or as my sort of degree um, Mm -hmm. training. And as I got into, once I got away from home <laughs> and, you know, sort of, <laughs> once you escaped, yeah, I was declaring my independence and kind of, you know, getting out of that, that, um, environment and, and just, mm. uh, exploring for myself. I, uh, was in physics, but I was at a, I was at the university of Denver at the time in college and, um, there was a lot of diversity, you know, I was playing sports. I, it was a liberal arts college and yet I was doing physics and, you know, so there was a lot of diversity and opportunity and, and, um, I did start to explore a bit into some metaphysics and Taoism and, and Zen and, and, you know, some of the transcendental poets, you know, like Wordsworth and Thoreau, they really resonated for me. And yet I, I just sort of took everything kind of at an intuitive level I really had pushed religion aside from a pretty early age because I just saw too much hypocrisy. And, um, and I studied, you know, I, I worked on my, my physics degree, but it wasn't really until I got into graduate school and I was suddenly thrown into this 80 hours a week of left brain 
you know, world between classes and research and, and study and passing tests and homework and um, all of that, that, you know, mm-hmm. I, I was suddenly very unbalanced. I went, so I went from a life of balance to a life of unbalance and it was all, it was all logic. It was all science-based thinking and um, every, like kind of everything else that i had had in my life prior was sacrificed in order to figure out how to survive this PhD program in physics. And um, so after about a year of that, I found myself rather dissatisfied and getting kind of depressed and and that that angst inside of me was spilling out into my social life my personal relationship and just my own sense of well-being and and so i really decided like i'm not sure this is uh a good track for me to be on like i wasn't sure if if i wanted to uh stick with the phd even if it was coming at the expense of my happiness and my well-being and, and, but before I decided to, whether I was going to leave that or not, I just, um, thought, okay, well, I gotta, I gotta bring the balance back first and then see if that helps. And so I brought all these different aspects of life back in. I brought in social time and sports and creative hobbies and, and all of these different thing, you know, things that create a well-rounded life. I brought it all back in. And about a year later, I was like, okay, well, I'm feeling better, but I'm, I'm still not like happy. Like there's still some fundamental piece of meaning that feels like it's missing. Like what's, what's the purpose behind all of this and where's the joy. Right. And, um, there's, there was one day I was at the, um, I was at the gym and I was doing some workout and I was just thinking about it in the back of my mind. And all of a sudden this little light bulb turns on and this little voice comes through and says, well, there's one thing that you still haven't brought back in that you had prior. And I was like, hmm, well, what is that? And, and then the, this little voice comes in again and says spirituality. And mm. it was true. I had had it, but it was always just sort of in the background on the side. It was never really primary for me, um, right. but it was the one thing I hadn't brought back in. So at that point I was like, okay, well, let's give it a try. I was a little surprised by things and, you know, well indoctrinated into the scientific way of thinking at that point and didn't think spirituality was that important. And, um, and yet here it was. And so I, I started to pursue it and I just, you know, I realized at that point, if I'm going to pursue anything that is, um, spiritual, it can't negate what I know scientifically to be true. So the two are going to have to at least complement each other, um, and so I started diving in all the science and consciousness, science and spirituality, um, all of, of these types of things. And it, it really lit me up. I got really excited and it reminded me of why I was even pursuing physics in the first place. So that's, that's a bit about how I got started on my, you know, my spiritual path. I would say that was like my self initiation point where I really decided spirituality is, is important. And it really did. It was the key to bringing the joy and the meaning back into my life um, right. and then you know we i don't know how much more you want me to get into but then <laughs> it, one thing led into another and and i was seeking community you know so that was sort of the next piece is once i was getting excited again i wanted other people to share it with uh, who i felt like i could really resonate with at a at the same wavelength and um so i was really desperate for community and others of like mind and i started seeking that and and yet you know, I wasn't really finding it. Um, I went to, uh, like a church of religious science, kind of like a, 
almost like an agape that was up in Seattle mm-hmm. <laughs> and there were great people and it was a great method and, and all of that, but it, it still was kind of lacking the depth that I needed. And, um, and then I was really frustrated at one point. And, you know, I, I know that you often ask about synchronicity uh, mm-hmm. and here was one of my real big events of synchronicity, which was that I had been, um, frustrated and I had been on a conversation with my, my mom on the phone and just kind of voicing my frustrations about not finding spiritual family and feeling really isolated. And she said, you know, why don't you just put it out there to the universe and ask the universe to help you find that and then let it go and focus on your, your, uh, qualifying exams and stuff, you know, that I needed to get past. And so I did that. I just put it out there. I said, universe, God, whoever helped me find my spiritual path and my family, uh, or my community, my tribe. And, uh, and then I just kind of let it go and I focused on other things. And then after about two weeks, uh, there was this string of synchronicities that started happening where, um, so my mom received an email from somebody who wanted to cross link websites with her. And then she went in and looked at her website and it was all this stuff about activating DNA and mystery school. And she's like, huh, where is this woman? And then she saw that she was in Seattle, which is where I was living at the time. And my mom oh, is cool. somebody, my mom does not believe in accidents. She thinks that everything is, you know, synchronicity and meant to be and smart woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so she says, maybe you should check this out. And so I, I went and I, I connected with the woman and I decided to go and get a, an activation and my, my brother was visiting me at the time. So we both went and got activations from her. Um, and, uh, and, and while I was there, she's like, now, now how did you find me again? And I said, well, you sent my mom an email wanting to cross link websites. And she says, who's your mom? And I told her and she's like, that name does not sound familiar to me at all. And it turned out that her, she had told her webmaster to find this woman and, California who did something with DNA music and that woman ended up getting my mom because my mom was associated with the Monroe Institute. Um, oh, okay. In Virginia. Yeah. And, and my mom had helped to create some of the, the albums that had beta brainwave activities in them. And oh, cool. so, um, so she had a website called DNA music.com and uh, the woman, the webmaster accidentally found my mom instead of the woman she was meant to, meant to find <laughs> and Interesting. So this, this became the way that I had my first connection in to the modern mystery school. And, um, and it was, you know, it was, wasn't until we were in the session itself that we realized like, Oh, that was, you know, that was sort of a, a serendipitous mistake that your webmaster right. made that connected us. Otherwise I never would have found this woman. Um, and that became my, my first link and in introduction into the mystery school. And from there it was just, an amazing journey that just opened up to me. And I, I really did find my spiritual family and or tribe and, and the path and, and so forth that really resonated for me at a very deep level. Wonderful. What a journey. I love how it all uh, came to be through that serendipitous uh, email. And, you know, and then many years later, because w- that was, that was what, that was like the early 2000s was, or something? That was in 2001. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now I'd love to hear more about what, because that's been an ongoing path for you, your involvement with the Modern Mystery School. Um, would you care to share uh, a bit more about that? Sure. What you've so, learned? Um, yeah, so it's a, 
what I loved about the mystery school, there's a couple things. So one, what I found just off of getting that first activation, um, it's called the life activation and it awakens DNA potential and, um, you know, it's all about awakening our inner gifts and aligning us with life purpose and our capacity and so forth. And when I had the session, I was like, I, I felt the energy. It was kind of subtle. It had lots of different energy, various modalities and so forth. By then, I'd already known how to do Reiki and, and things like that. Um, and so I felt the energy. It was subtle in the session itself, but afterwards, it started to really catalyze this sequence of of coming to greater self-awareness and realizations about my life, choices I was making, what was serving me, what wasn't serving me. About even four months down the line, I was, I was still having these openings and realization of like, oh, you know, this is what I'm here to do and, and kind of b- bringing the pieces together of my unique gifts and elements to discover what my unique purpose was. Um, and, and so all of that just off of one life activation and, um, you know, she had given me these two brochures at, at the session. One was about their first step of initiation and the other one was about a second level of activation. And <clears throat> I had these brochures and, and yet every time I read them, they didn't tell me, you know, they didn't compute with my logical mind. <laughs> They're making all right. these claims. And as a scientist, like, how can they make those claims? And, you know, I was very, right, skeptical, right, right. very, very skeptical, but, uh, but, but intuitively drawn. And, um, and so, you know, three, four months go by and, and these, brochures kept getting buried and then I would unearth them and then they get buried again and I'd unearth them. And every time I had unearth them, I'd read it and I'd be like, I don't really understand what they're trying to, you know, what this is. And I'd be about to throw it away. And something would just say, no, don't, don't throw that away. Just put it back on your table. And after mm-hmm. three or four rounds of this, um, I finally realized, okay, even though it doesn't compete with my logical mind, something obviously is drawing me to take that next step. And I have gotten a lot of benefit from just that one activation session. So what's next? And so then I went to um, get initiated and get that next level of activation. And from that point forward, the initiation was almost like the activations turned on the lights Mm -hmm. to my potential and to my purpose. And then the initiation created this, wave that just sort of picked me up and accelerated me forwards, you know, on my progression about 10 times faster. And I I really knew from that point forward, okay, I've, I've found this path. And so the mystery school is not, it's not new age. Um, it, it really is an ancient lineage that has been passed down from, you know, person to person, through uh, what we call lineage holders. So somebody who's had a high enough level of training who can then take on that responsibility to pass it down to the next generation and, and so forth. And they have to find the right people to pass it down to, you know, to keep it propagating. And it goes all the way back to the time of um, King Solomon. Uh, as far as a direct lineage, they can trace the who passed it to who passed it to who all the way down through the wow. thousands of years. And um, the teachings go back even further because they, they work with ancient Hermetic teachings, ancient Egyptian, um, ancient, uh, some of the Tibetan Sanskrit teachings, um, shamanism, and so forth. So it's one place. One of the things I loved about it is it's not about dogma. It's not a religious kind of thing. It's one place where all the ancient spiritual teachings 
come together in, in, and you can kind of see how they all fit together and how different, different tracks of spiritual paths have developed or mastered certain level of tools at a certain um, kind of energy or application. And then there's other uh, elements or other spiritual traditions that have mastered it at a different level. And when you bring it all together, it's like you have this really big tool bag to accomplish the multidimensional um, mastery that we're here to experience. And so, cool. so I love that. So it was very inclusive. It was very universal, um, not dogmatic. And, and it really did blend this, the scientific way of thinking with the spiritual um, progression and, and depth, the inner work. And it really like the tools that they have really work to catalyze that, that deep transformation to really help us shift at a, in a sustainable way. Whereas certain other things I'd tried before, it was like they were, they were good for a certain amount of time and then they kind of fade. And, right. you know, I'd, I'd explore something, a certain path and it would, I'd grow for a little while and then I'd hit a plateau. Um, or it was like, that's as far as this is going to take me. And then I'd have to go and find the next thing and then find the next thing. And, you know, when I, when I got to the mystery school, it was like, I didn't have to go find the next thing because it just kept propelling me to the next level. And there was no bottom to their, the depth of understanding of why the tools work, um, how they, how they work and, you know, the deeper teachings, deeper sort of, um, keys to helping us connect to see the bigger picture. So it was like, I was able Mm. to have, answers to questions I'd had for a long time in my life were finally being revealed once I got into the mystery school. Things that intuited were being validated, but then all all these other dots were being connected together. And so they really focus on empowering the individual. um, And it's very much about practical. It's not just about knowledge. Super woo-woo. Yeah, well, it's definitely not woo-woo. It's, it's very grounded. <laughs> um, I mean, it's out there. There's certain things that we do that really go out there, but it's very grounded and very practical, you know, yep. like, because we're not just about escaping our reality or trying to just transcend um, out of the body. It's like, we want to really make a difference here in the world. So it's about yep. how can you achieve that spiritual mastery and bring it into the physical world and actually make a difference in the lives of other people and uh, ultimately, it's about, you know, the mystery school has, has always had this mission of creating a world of peace, you know, or a, a world of sustainability and harmony. And, and uh, it's tradition, you know, there have been times where it's been out in the open, and there have been times where it's been sort of suppressed Hidden. and had to hide underground, so to speak. Um, yeah. Usually because there were inquisitions or certain political powers that would ch- chase it underground. Uh, right. And so... Um, you know, we're, we're very fortunate to live in a time where it can come out again. Uh, yeah. so that's a bit about, you know, some of the mystery school. What are, what are some of the methods? I mean, what are the, you know, if someone were to go through this, can you give us a glimpse into, uh, you know, how it's helping people to, uh, expand their awareness, uh, you know, awaken more of their potential, that sort of thing? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so usually the first thing people would do when they come into the, to the school is they would get a life activation because that life activation is like, it's turning on the switches to our potential, to our, um, in, intuition or greater self-awareness. 
And from that, it's almost like fertilizing the ground and preparing Mm -hmm. it for new seeds to be planted. And I find that when people haven't yet had that life activation, it's like the seeds they plant are almost like being planted in arid ground. You know, it's like they, they don't have as much of a chance to take root. But once they've had that life activation, things can really take root and start to grow and flourish. And so first thing they do typically is get a life activation session with one of our, one of the practitioners, um, other than maybe, you know, some intro class or meditation class, you know, there's certain things that we do that are really open to the public. Um, and you know, everything is open. It's just, there's certain steps that people take to get to the the deeper work. And then, um, and so then after taking, after getting a life activation, then the next step, the next big step would be to get the initiation, the first step of initiation. So it's a, the mystery school is a path and there's several levels of activation, several levels of initiation. Each one propels you, you know, and is a catalyst in a, in a new area of growth. And um, you can get to that kind of growth on your own. You know, some people say, well, we don't need this, you know, to, sure. we already have access to all this, you know, potential. And it's true. You do. But um, I can do yoga on my own, too, but I really like to go personally to a studio and have some direction. And it's, you know, I I think that's a great point. It's like there's this path is perfect for certain people. This podcast really, really resonates with certain with with certain people. Right. I've had I get a lot of like wonderful feedback, but I also occasionally get the the uh, comment of, oh, my gosh, his laugh is so obnoxious or is like I can't stand it. Like, you know what I mean? That that's every now and then it's like, well, that's funny because someone else just said the opposite. So it's, it's just about what resonates (laughs) with you. Right. And there's many paths to the same end end, uh, you know, arrival point, I suppose. Sure. So, yeah. So there's many paths. Um, what I find with, with the mystery school path is that yes, while you can get there on your own, you can get there a heck of a lot faster when you have the proper guidance and, and not just the guidance, but these, the methods that the mystery school has that, that are really ancient, um, there's some kind of spiritual technology. And as much as I, as a scientist, have wanted to figure out how to explain it from that intellectual place, I can't explain it. I, I've just witnessed right. it again and again and again, that it really goes into the core blueprints of who we are, turns on those potentials, pushes a lot of light in. And then as that light comes in, it pushes kind of our resistance out. Now we hit our resistance. And so we have to do our work. You know, it's, it's certainly not a shortcut from that keeps you from having to do the work yourself. Um, But that's actually what I love about the mystery school. It's so empowering. It's like, Hey, we'll give you the keys, but 99% of your enlightenment is going to come from your own work. Um, But these keys will help you if you take them and you use them and you apply them in your life it's going to help you get there faster. And then, you know, we have a system of guidance that can help people avoid the pitfalls and, um, you know, walk that tried and true path, that well-tread path to getting there in a more direct way rather than, you know, when we kind of do it on our own, uh, especially in today's world, there's so much out there. It's like, it's like walking through a maze and you might run into dead ends or there might be some, um, some, you know, pitfall or, or some, you know, something that jumps out at you and kind of chases you in the other direction. Right. So, um, so with the mystery school, it's, it's this very, uh, direct, very accelerated way to, to master ourselves and to, um, 
So we work with the activations. We obviously use meditation tools, um, ceremonial tools. You know, there's a full bag of tools that we use. And a lot of it is just handed down to you to be able to to do for yourself. Um, That's what I like about the initiation itself. It's like, you can come to us as a practitioner and we can do an activation or healing for you. But if you go and get initiated, you start learning the tools and you, you can integrate those into your daily life. You become your own practitioner in a way. It's like you're able to maintain the energy more regularly and, and create, um, you know, it's almost like spiritual weightlifting and, and really create a certain level of spiritual fitness for yourself so that you can then pave, um, that foundation within yourself to take it to the next level. And so um, through initiation, it it really is this ancient spiritual tool that catalyzes that accelerated transformation. So it's like we move through, we become more self-aware. We move through our, um, our lessons, like our life lessons faster. And as you move through your life lessons faster, kind of it's a little more compactified, so it's like you're dealing with more in a shorter amount of time, which can be kind of intense at times. But once you get through it, then it's like you are able to actually level learn the up. things you need to learn so you can level up and get on track with your purpose and and then have much more capacity to flow, uh, you know, 10 times, 100 times, even 1,000 times more energy into your life, into the world and, and really harness your, your gifts uh, so that you can bring it fully to bear for, for fulfilling your purpose. So, Right, right, right. And it also has, uh, there's a foundational piece tied to Kabbalah. Kabbalism, which Jewish, mm-hmm. mis- I guess Jewish mis- mysticism, some would refer to as. Um, is that correct? Yeah, so we, in the mystery school, we have a core foundation of um, hermetic teachings. So the hermetic teachings go back at least about 8,000 years. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we have the Kabbalistic teachings. Uh, the way we work with the Kabbalah in the mystery school is more what we would call universal Kabbalah. It's not tied to any one religious approach mm-hmm. or doctrine. Um, so we can... We, we really just bring it into its own sort of system where it's about the self, it's about the pattern of creation, it's about um, awakening our DNA codes, it's, you know, it's all, like, so it, King Solomon was a master Kabbalist, and he's sort of the, the main person that we trace our lineage to. Mm. And so he used Kabbalah as a way to, you know, he, one of the, I'll tell you a little bit of the story of, of his lineage. So, yeah, in King Solomon's please. time, he um, he gathered. He was the wise king, right? So his father was more King David was more the warrior king, and then King Solomon comes in, and he um, is more about diplomacy and wisdom and and prosperity for all. And so he gathered into his temple. Uh, it was almost like some kind of call went out, both physically and on the astral. And mm-hmm. uh, or through the morphogenetic field, and and people from all over the world, representatives from different tribes, shamans, priests, priestesses, oracles, healers, and so forth from all over the place came and gathered to his temple. It was almost like an, a more ancient version of Alexandria or something. And right. um, they all gathered at King Solomon's temple, and they exchanged knowledge. 
they practiced or used their modalities on each other. They tested all these different things. And King Solomon's mission was to try and find the keys to uh, what in the Kabbalah, what they call the Adam Kadmon or the, the God human, the perfected human that, you know, at one point we had this perfected state, then we fell out of that or some of it sort of deactivated, but there, there was always these um, prophecies in the Kabbalistic tradition that one day we would return and, and, you know, open up those, those gates again and, and that the awaken the Adam Kadmon again or that perfected human. And so he made it his life mission to figure out what are the keys to doing that. And um, so this is, you know, he knew that Kabbalah had a certain amount of keys and methods that really worked, but it, it wasn't everything, like they were missing some things. And so this is why he did this gathering of the tribes, so to speak. And they tested all the different modalities from all the different traditions. And he wanted to find what works on everybody. And it's not about bloodline. It's not about um, your, your regional locale that you live in it's about you know it's truly universal it works on everybody and so um you know the african shaman would try his modality on the viking for example and you know the the ainu from japan would try their modality on the you know the the somebody from native american tribes that came very cool yeah and so from this they created a universal system and the things that worked on everybody went into the pot and then it got organized according to um, the tree of life and the Kabbalah as a way to sort of tie it all together and see where everything fit. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's easily a couple universities worth of training <laughs> to, to learn the whole <laughs> everything, all? right? I mean, there's, there's a couple degrees worth of, of advanced healer training and advanced, you know, practitioner training in, in the King Solomon repertoire. Um, and sometimes I feel like we've, we've still only just scratched the surface of what's there. And, wow. um, and then there was also the teachings. And so it's like, you know, they brought, brought it all together to find that universal pattern. Uh, and yet in King Solomon's time, so then this was passed down through the lineage. It was passed down by the, the initiates. Um, and, and yet in his time, he thought that they discovered the, the final keys. Um, but in the, in his dying days at the, you know, when he was on his deathbed, he, he kind of realized like we haven't, you know, there's still something missing. And the reason that there was still something missing is that it, it wasn't really the time yet on the planet for that awakening to come. And, and so, you know, the, the keys, the knowledge, the lineage, everything was passed down and preserved for when the time would come on the planet or when humanity as a whole was ready rather than just, you know, the few. And, right. and that's the times that we're in right now. Um, and so, you know, there's been, there's been through all these different traditions, whether you're talking Hopi or Mayan or, or the Kali Yuga cycles or um, King Solomon, you know, the Kabbalistic, like there's all these prophecies from these different traditions and they're all pointing to pointing now. Now. Yes. Yeah. And that's why the mystery schools come out again is because the time is now. Wow. That's exciting. Uh, it's an exciting time to be alive for sure. It is. All right, well, now seems like a good moment to take a quick minute to tell those of you who aren't familiar a bit about our sponsor, Gaia. 
I've been a big fan of Gaia for many years now, which is why they're the only content provider I've ever reached out to in regards to potentially supporting this podcast. So needless to say, I'm very excited they're now supporting the show. Gaia truly is my personal go-to source for streaming consciousness content on the web. They have an incredible 7,000 plus exclusive videos covering 5,000 years of wisdom. Just to give you an example, on the show Missing Links, the incredible researcher Greg Braden explores all the biggest questions concerning who we are, where we come from, where we're going, by connecting the missing links between science and spirituality to complete our understanding of humanity's history and to better understand the interconnectedness of all things. Awesome, right? And that's just one example. As you guys constantly hear me say, it's a daily conscious effort to maintain an elevated vibration. And if you're looking to go deep down the rabbit hole to do so, then Gaia is the best place I know of to do it, period. And you can sign up for your first month for only 99 cents at Gaia.com forward slash positive head. That's spelled G-A-I-A dot com forward slash positive head. Check it out. What does the the mystery school teach is where's it going? Like as far as our ultimate potential, what's, you know, it, the time is now and, you know, and, mm-hmm. and where is this next level leading us all to? Yeah. So our, I mean, our human potential, the mystery school is always taught that it is, it, it's limitless. Like that we are the, the, that the divine, you know, God source, whatever name you want to call it is within us. And that we are that already, you know, it's, it's not like we're evolving into that. We already are that. It's we're emerging here. through us, essentially. Yeah. It's like, yeah, as it opposed to us. finding and something that's not there, it's letting something that's already there, you know, make itself known more fully. Exactly, exactly. And so, we, you know, we came into this physical experience to have an, have an experience of how to manifest that full divine potential into this physical density which is something different maybe than how we were before, right? So we're already these eternal beings. We're already these God beings. We're, we're already, you know, limitless in our potential and, and our capacity, but our task is to learn how to manifest it into this physical density. And so we're, you know, our, we come into this and we kind of forget <laughs> that we are these amazing huge beings. Actually, I think children still remember it at some level until they hit a certain age and then personality and conditioning starts to come in and they, they start to get a more distant from that. But, um, yeah, totally. I just saw a really interesting, uh, Oh, I'm sorry. I just wanted to interject real quick there. I just saw a really interesting article talking about, um, Oh, if I had it pulled up here, I'd kind of read from it, but it basically was talking about how the brain of children is they, from some study, they're equating it to what it's like when we're on, uh, some sort of a plant medicine or, or LSD. I think they referenced in this, uh, in this article is (laughs) like children are literally uh, babies are literally tripping the, the same way. Uh, hmm. all the time and I thought that was really interesting because a lot of times of course they have that look like oh my gosh where am I <laughs> what am I doing like hold on and you know probably have some recollection of where they just came from you know many people uh, postulate so it's just uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting thing to think about you know the children are here and it's like oh my gosh I'm this divine being who's stuffed myself down into this little baby body and I am tripping out on everything right now now, like yeah. what's going on 
Well, you know, the, the baby's brain um, in infancy, uh, in the womb and in infancy is usually operating at a delta brainwave level, which is like zero to three hertz or beats mm. per second. So it's a really, really, really deep state. As adults, when we're in delta, you, we're usually asleep. Um, mm. but, but as it, like, there are studies of interesting meditators that can get into that Delta state and still maintain consciousness. Um, and then when you get into childhood, you're, you know, from like three to maybe eight years old, you're in more of a, what we would call a theta state. And mm. in a theta state is where you get all the hypnagogic images and you, you know, you, you basically, the children have no veil until after the age of reasoning which is around six to eight years old and so they see all the the stuff that's around us all the time because they have no no veil um right and it's only after the personality starts to really root in that the veil starts to close on them uh but as you develop a practice of meditation you can you can train your brain to at will be able to shift through the spectrum of the different brainwave frequencies. And you can learn how to, how to hold and sustain a theta brainwave state where you are going to experience that same kind of no veil experience. And, you know, all the spiritual dimensions start to become accessible to you and so forth. Um, So, you know, of course, some of the, some of the various psychedelics do that, but they sort of blast it open. Um, And whereas when you develop like a practice of meditation, you're learning to do it by your own, you know, your own training, you're training yourself to do it. You can sustain it. You can control it. You can do it at will. And so in the mystery school, that's the kind of thing that we would, you know, we really work on training people in is is how to access those kinds of states in a way that is, you know, in your control and that is sustainable and that you're, you're really building the bridges and opening up the gateways so that you, you know, piece by piece sort of peel away the layers of the veil until you can really live in that state without it being too much or too overwhelming. Um, right. Because, you know, the Do you veil think that's where we're going? Protects. Yeah. Do you think that's where we're going as a society where that becomes the, the new norm? Like, you know, the people yeah. out on the cutting edge who are achieving this now and then that just kind of spreads and spreads until we become more of this like multidimensionally, you know, living from that perspective in our, our physical bodies. And that becomes, you know, the norm, the new norm. Yeah. Yeah. Think about it like this. So if the veil disappears there's no more perception of separation between people yeah, or between right. things. And not only that, we would also see the energy that gets sent by a person's thoughts. We would perceive Oof. that energy directly right. of thoughts. So we're going to be telepathic as well. So there's, right. you know, talk about moving towards a world of transparency. You know, what's already starting to happen just by the virtue of technology and the internet where there's more and more transparency. But when we yep. move, when we move into this sort of completely into the new paradigm, into what we might call Shambhala or that world of peace, it will be a telepathic world. It will right. be, you know, no veil. We'll, we'll see not just each other. I mean, we have to learn to accept each other for our differences and appreciate the diversity rather than trying to make everybody the same as we are. So that's one of the big things that humanity needs to shift is coming into greater levels of acceptance of diversity and, and realizing that there is this, um, 
you know, multitude of uniqueness for a reason, because we all have a unique place, you know, role to serve. Um, And then not only accepting all of humanity for our differences, but also then think about accepting all these other beings that live just on the other side of the veil that are very different from us. And yet they might have even more wisdom, more intelligence, more magic than we do. And we have to accept them and, and be humble enough to, um, not try to do what we've probably done in the past, which was um, attack that which fears, you know, that, that we're afraid of because it's, right. you know, something different. Uh, more powerful or different than us. And right. so, yeah, th- this is the world that we're trying to transition into. But if you could imagine we were to just rip the veil away right now and everybody <laughs> started seeing everything tomorrow, I think, I think we'd have pretty much just chaos and, and mayhem. You know? uh, like people wouldn't yeah. know what to do with it. So it's a yeah. gradual process that we're needing to move our way towards. Um, and, and we have to shift, but you know, there's a timeline <laughs> because, mm-hmm. you know, we are, we are, we're tipping our world too far out of balance with our yep. way of being right now that, you know, we may not last long enough to, to do it. Uh, the to make slow the transition. Way so it's like, we have to get with it really quickly here. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting thing to, to also br- take into account the idea of uh, alternate timelines where this is concerned too. So, yeah. you know, there's versions of reality, I believe, uh, where, you know, we, it, enter into Shambhala, as you put it. Uh, but there's also versions of reality where, you know, source, God, higher self, whatever you want to refer to it as, it's it's infinite. It, it experiences all possibilities, right? Yeah. So there's versions of the timelines where, you know, we don't quite, you know, make it in time yeah. and everything yeah. may be in between. And, you know, the way I view it is you're actually stepping individually and a lot of times people feel disempowered all oh, the world's too big and it's too too much and you know i can't make a difference when actually you are viewing you're in sort of your own private universe in a certain sense and you're stepping into these different timelines based off of your vibration and the ones that you are the closest match to um right. that's sort of how i view it yeah well I, I would say yeah from from spirit's perspective from source perspective it's all happening it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, all those possibilities are being played out. Um, but we're here in this particular uh, hologram <laughs> or right. you know, ma- ma- experience. And our choices in this experience in this timeline do matter. And yep. so what is the reality that you want to play out in this timeline in this, you know, version mm-hmm. of the hologram, so to speak, and your choices yep. matter. And, and really, we create our experience from the inside out. You know, a lot of people are so focused yep. on, if I just change the outer circumstances, then everything will be better. But it's really, your outer circumstances are a result of what's going on inside of you. So, we need yep. to change from the inside. Absolutely. Now, speaking of doing that... Um, you know, I know you talk about you have your own sort of process that you've come up with over time to for people to sort of move into their idealized, as I, I put it, you know, their greatest and grandest version of themselves. Uh, could mm-hmm. you speak a little bit about that? Sure. So, so I've, you know, as I focus on bringing people into some of this, you know, the work and, and regardless of how far they want to go with the mystery school, I feel like there's five steps that are really core foundational pieces to helping people then take those tools to then use them in their life to create their, their ultimate life. 
and um, they do draw from the mystery school path. And so they're, they're really some of the first five, I, I would say, uh, core strengthening steps on the path that then really open up the doors to people to, to go from there, whichever direction they, they choose. Uh, the first step is, like I said before, the life activation, where it's about a- awakening our potential and turning on mm-hmm. the lights to more of our potential. You know, no matter how good we are, we can always get to that next level. We can always access yeah. more. So, um, so the life activation is, is a critical thing to, you know, flipping on the switches to the areas that haven't yet been activated. And then the second step would be the initiation. Because from that uh, initiation, it's a two-day training. And there's like a broad sweep of training of, of the foundational teachings of the ancient mystery school tradition. And we talk about a lot of, you know, there's like 10 or, or 11 different subjects that we address during those two days. And there you get practical tools for life that really support. And, and I find they really shift people's perspective about, about life and what it means and, you know, the potential of where we can go and, and so forth. And then they get um, practices, spiritual practices that they can bring into their life. You know, it, it, it can be anywhere from as little as 15 minutes a day to, you know, if they want to go full bore with it, they can go up to, you know, two hours a day of, of working with these different tools. It just depends on what they want to fit in. Um, the more they do, the more they're going to get out of it. And so we, we hand down these tools to them and give them kind of the formula, the pattern for if you really wanted to master your spiritual dimension of life uh, and have that impact your physical dimension of life, here's what you do. And then um, the, the third step I would recommend is something called the, the spirit activation, the full spirit activation, which helps to open up the veil more. It helps to awaken uh, deeper regions of the brain, especially the old brain where we say kind of the seat of where the, um, the consciousness of our spirit really connects in directly to the brain. And mm-hmm. we help to wake that up so that we can perceive with greater awareness the various stimuli that are coming in both from the physical and the spiritual dimensions. Um, mm-hmm. And then from there, they have two choices. They could um, take the Kabbalah training, which is um, it's a more involved training. It's about 10-month journey of actually energetically ascending the tree of life. And so we give a lot of the teachings of the Universal Kabbalah, how it relates to us, how we can, you know, it's a really deep personal journey of introspection and transformation and using the, the framework of Kabbalah to help us come to know ourselves more and um, all the different aspects, you know, who am I, what are my gifts, what am I here for and, and what's getting in my way, what do I need to clear out and let go of and so forth. Um, and so we step-by-step step energetically ascend the tree of life and it's it's a a vibrational awakening within the soul and that transformation i i see in people in those 10 months it's like they can go through 10 years worth of other methods you know that uh, in personal growth or psychology or you know all a lot of the other standard methods that are out there it's like you can accomplish that 10 years worth of growth in 10 months by the ascension of the tree of life um the other direction that's, that people would usually go here for this uh, fourth step is that they would go to the, the next level of initiation with the Mystery School, which is the Healer's Academy. And the Healer's Academy is about us healing ourselves at a more 
core level, but it's also about mm-hmm. us learning how to then work with the spiritual powers um, and learning to really discern and tune into the various layers of spiritual energy how to direct those more. And then also they learn the modality of the life activation to be able to, to do that for others. And um, so there's this, there's this further path of initiation within the mystery school, depending on how far an individual feels called to continue walking that path. Um, That I I would definitely say that the uh, initiations do something for people that, nothing else can do. It's like, there's just some real core shift at, at a very um, deep soul level that happens from those initiations. And what the Kabbalah does is I think helps us become more, more uh, self-aware and more stabilized within ourselves to recognize how to own our stuff, <laughs> both our mm-hmm. gifts and our weaknesses. And, um, and then to to use the the various tools that we have to um, gain greater levels of self mastery and find that balance within ourselves between all the different aspects of of our multidimensionality. Um, and then one of the other things you learn in the Kabbalah is a formula for manifestation. And it's a formula for Oof. how to bring energies from the highest spiritual realm, the mind of God, so to speak, all the way down through through our creative process um into a really solid blueprint and plan and then put that into action so it's just it's this very accelerated process of manifestation so you really learn to become a a master of manifestation through using these tools um and so yeah those are those are the the main steps that we would start people off with and then of course if they felt called to the deeper aspects of the mystery school path there's much deeper training into the various magical arts so to speak um there's something we call the ritual master path which is learning to be not only the you know like the servant of light or the healer but also the warrior of light where you know we're, we're learning to um cultivate the that courage and that strength of you know our core self and mastering our our own ego inside um through the ritual master path it's a very it's an intensive spiritual training uh that goes pretty deep so wow yeah you talked about uh you know tools for manifestation i i firmly believe the art of manifestation will become sort of the new great art form on our planet where mm. you know how proficient are you at your manifestation skills the the, yeah. the creative artistic endeavor that is manifestation and uh, you know to me that's a very exciting uh, art form to get more and more proficient at so the, what you said there definitely intrigues me personally um, mm-hmm. and you know I know you also wrote a book that sort of ties into this as well um, that's uh, called The Game Changers and it's about social alchemists in the 21st century and um, you know I actually not so long ago was thinking on alchemy and this this whole idea of transmuting things and you know I thought to myself it just kind of came to me one day that like spiritual alchemy for me is the art of sifting and shifting perspectives until love emerges. You know, mm. you get from that perspective where you are seeing it, that it's all happening for love. Right. 
Okay. And so I'm be very curious, you know, not knowing much more than, you know, you have this book, I haven't read it myself, that uh, talks in, and relates to the alchemical process and how it's, you know, uh, you know, helping with this paradigm shift, you know, how it relates to the paradigm shift we're going through. I'd love to hear you speak a little bit about that. Sure. So, so alchemy is one of my great loves. Um, and, you know, when I started off in, as a scientist, at first, you know, I, I had the, the typical, stereotypical perspective of alchemy that we're trained to have, which was, oh, there were just a bunch of pseudoscientists trying to turn lead into gold and right. you know, sort of false. And, but once I actually started to, to read about it directly and explore it and then experience it, it's like, oh my gosh, this isn't, this isn't what they told us it is at all. It's like this alchemy is a very ancient wisdom tradition that primarily is about us um, going through the process of, of transformation to perfect things, you know, to really bring ourselves to our ultimate perfection and, and potential, our, our godliness. Um, and we can do that with ourselves. We can also take the same formula of transformation and we can apply it to the mineral kingdom. And yes, we can actually make transformations of of one element to another and nothing in physics tells us we can't do that because it's happening all the time in the stars you know and in fission as well i mean nuclear energy is about transformation of one element to another Um, right the question is whether we have the the energy capacity to really do that um and you know at a purely physical level yeah but you know so scientists have for example taken mercury and turned it into gold in a laboratory but the amount that they've done was like just a few atoms worth right and Mm -hmm. the amount of energy that they had to put in to do it was extraordinary Um, cost more than the gold (laughs) yeah but they're just working purely from a physics perspective whereas alchemy brings in consciousness it brings in uh, subtle energy it brings in all these other spiritual aspects and weds it with the physical so you're not just working from a materialist perspective, you're working much more from a holism, from being able to access these other energies that are available to us. We have to learn how to master our, our mind and our spiritual dimension to really do that well. And then what alchemy gives us is it gives us a formula. It says, you know, a lot of people are using the term alchemy these days to just be synonymous with transformation or fusion or synergy or whatever. But alchemy mm-hmm. itself is actually very formulaic. It's it's very precise. It is a science. Um, there's, you know, there's a formula called solvate coagula, for example, which is separate and recombine. But you mm. separate the different pieces, the different elements, um, the essential aspects of, of a thing. You separate it out, but then you need to purify each of those essential aspects get rid of what isn't serving the impurities and so forth and then bring them to a higher vibrational level within themselves a higher level of integrity then bring them back together and when you bring them Mm. back together again it's a very precise art form of bringing them together in perfect harmony and proportion so that the synergy can really come out Um, and then we go through several rounds of this separate purify recombine and as we go through these different rounds, we're steadily raising the vibration higher and higher. And so it's about um, uh, yeah, raising vibration up to a more alive state, a, a state that is embodying the, the spiritual 
more fully. And then it's mm-hmm. also about bringing that spiritual energy more into the physical. And we go through all these different cycles. So they talk about, sometimes you see it arranged in seven steps. Um, mm-hmm. And no matter, no matter whether you're conscious of it or not, alchemy is happening because it's part of the natural um, steps of evolution, so to speak. But what alchemists are trying try to do is once we know what those natural laws are, that natural flow is or should be, when we are aware of it, we can now start to participate with it actively and, and intentionally and knowledgeably engage with it and then harness it so we can, we can learn to speed it up, right? So alchemy is about speeding up that transformational process by working with those laws of nature rather than just kind of letting it take its own course. Um, so when you know alchemy, it's like you, you can recognize, oh, okay, this is what stage this, this current thing is in, or this is what stage of transformation I am in. And the, if I know where I'm at now, then I also know what the next step is. And so then we can work with different tools to catalyze that process to help us move through the various stages faster. And, um, so this applies at, at the level of, you know, minerals and plants and creating, you know, different remedies and so forth. It applies to us individually and our own personal growth. It applies to our society as well and to, you know, groups of people or organizations and, and the various stages of transformation we have to go through. And it applies to the world at large. And so in the alchemy um, in the book I wrote, The Game Changers, it's about social alchemy. So I focused, here's the alchemical formula. Um, here's how it relates to, you know, I give like a metaphor of, of, of the metamorphosis of a caterpillar to a butterfly. And I kind of break down how each of those different s- steps of that transformational process relate to alchemy. And then I say, you know, and here's the things that you might experience in, in each of these steps. Um, but now let's take a look at the social level of this you know how is this applying to our societal transformation that we're in right now where are we getting stuck because sometimes the alchemical process you know you you go so far but if it's not really reaching a pure state if there's still impurities in it at some point those impurities can completely sabotage the growth that's happening and then you got to start from scratch again and that tends to be what we're doing right now in our society it's like um, you know, we're, we're, we have certain events that catalyze, you know, the first step is what we call calcination, where it's like this, this upsetting event that happens, it kind of burns us, it shakes our foundation, it causes us to, you know, get out of our complacency. Um, but usually the ego really gets burned in the process, or we get flared up in some way, that calcination is a, it's a very fiery experience. So that usually catalyzes the growth. Um, but then if, if we, you know, by the time we've hit the midpoint where we've kind of tried to pick the pieces apart, bring a new solution forward, and so forth, and we bring everything back together again, and we think, okay, we've made some good progress. Um, this is like the midpoint on the, the seven-step process that I'm jumping to now. Um, we made some good progress. We're feeling good. And, um, and we've, we've gone through all this hard work. Now we can kind of relax a bit. And this is the point where people tend to, if they're just letting it happen to them without really knowing the alchemical formula, they get stuck here and they get into a comfort zone again and 
things start to kind of slide backwards because it's not a complete state, right? So we have to mm-hmm. we have to really dig in to to take it through those final three stages to actually reaching that perfection. And those final three stages are they get harder and harder. They require more and more patience, more and more persistence um, and dedication, devotion, you know, to that work to really carry it forward because it gets more subtle. Um, you know, the ego, for example, can be very tricky in how it yes. comes back in and, and sort of grabs hold of, of the energy again. And so it's like, we have to really keep the fire, keep the pressure on to, to root out the, the more subtle ways in which the ego tries to, to take control again. Um, and then we have to do more work at a, in an inner level, at a spiritual level to really raise the vibration. Um, so, so there's this stage called fermentation Mm -hmm. that is the next sort of step beyond the midpoint. And that's where I would say humanity is right now. We're at this fermentation stage where we're really facing our darkness. We're really facing that dark night of the soul of, of, you know, modern life. And, mm-hmm. um, and humanity as a whole. And at this, at this stage, it's like we have to battle our own inner demons or we have to really face our darkness and see it rather than, uh, you know, rather than deny it's there or ignore it or whatever that we've done in the past. It's like it's staring us in the face and you're going to have to go to battle with it because you can't avoid it anymore if you want right. to move forward. And, um, you know, if you look at what's going on in our world right now, that's, that's like everything, you know, our shadow side of humanity is being just, just thrown in our face, Mm. um, with all the separatism and all the, you know, reactionism that's going on in, in all the different spheres of, of our world right now. Um, so, and then, you know, with, with alchemy and with the creative process, the manifestation process, it's like we can continue to try and rehash the old stuff um, by, and that's what happens when we just approach creative work or what it is we're trying to manifest. If we approach it from what we know, um, then it's stuff that's programmed. It's, it's old, right? It's basically coming from personality level, but if we can move beyond that, if we can really empty ourselves of that and let it go and access, truly access that mind of God, right? Really access the higher state of consciousness. Um, then truly new ideas, new paradigm energy can come in and then we can learn to bring that forward and, bring it all the way back down into manifestation so that we can mm. anchor new paradigm energies on the planet rather than just rehashing old patterns. Um, right. and, and so that's also where we're at right now. It's like, we're being asked to innovate, truly innovate, not just, you know, create the same things that have already been created just with a new flair. Right. Right. And so to, to move forward in our world, it's like, we truly need to enter into a new paradigm and yet, the more that people try to cling to the old paradigm and fight for the, you know, the world to go back to how it was before, <laughs> which is what we're seeing a lot of right now, it's just, that's not going to work because we have to move forward, not backwards. And we have to you know, embrace new energies and new paradigms. And that means getting out of our comfort zone. That means doing things in a different way. Um, but what we've been doing isn't working. And yeah. um, you know, the people who think that they can just go back to old ways are... are you know, operating in delusion, basically. Right. Uh, 
And, and then, and in the process, they're making it harder for everybody because they're fighting tooth and nail. Um, it, it reminds me of in the, the metamorphosis of a caterpillar into the butterfly, there's these imaginal cells that come in and the uh, imaginal yeah. cells have the new pattern of the butterfly, but the old cells think that the imaginal cells are a virus and they have to attack, they attack it. it. Yeah. yeah. And so they attack and they attack and they attack because they think that is the cause of why they're dying. Um, but really it's just the time is for the butterfly to emerge. And so these imaginal cells keep coming in and they keep coming in and they keep coming in because the DNA is producing them. And, um, and so then they start to grow in numbers. They start to find each other and they find that as they band as they together, group, as they group together, then they're, they're stronger. Right. And they yep. are able to survive against the attack. And, um, and at some point those old cells need to learn, they need to, they need to wake up to the fact that, um, no matter how much we attack, this still isn't working. <laughs> and, yep. th- and meanwhile, over there in that new paradigm energy, it's a new structure starting to grow and it looks yep. like it's starting to work. So I can either die off and become obsolete or I can repurpose myself and join on what's going on over there and right. use my skills and, and, you know, my abilities to benefit the new system, but it's right. still taking what I know and, and just putting it into a new purpose. And, and that's the stage we're at. It's like all of the yeah. solutions we need are there. All the yeah. new paradigm resources, I think within the next couple of years, um, like 2021, there's a lot of prophecies that point to 2021. And within the next oh, few really? years, yeah, and even the, even the scientists and the futurists are, are all pointing to, you know, within the next five years, our world's going to be completely different than how it is today. And yeah. we, we, we do and we will have all the resources all the technologies, all the strategies that will be needed to completely revolutionize our world um, and for, you know, end uh, hunger, for example, um, and the, you know, fix the issues that we've had with our environment. You know, there's all these different things that they're saying we could completely create a, a world of sustainability um, and prosperity for all, but we have to choose to use those rather than suppress those. And that's the point that we're at right now. It's like these next five years are critical in terms of where humanity goes with it. And I personally feel, and the mystery school's perspective is that, you know, it's, it's all rests within the consciousness of humanity. If we can create that critical mass, that critical shift within the consciousness of humanity, then we will choose to use those resources rather than suppress them. But if we continue, to, if the consciousness of humanity continues to cling to the old, then we're just going to fall into disarray. Yeah. yeah it's the hundredth monkey, right? Yep. Getting, getting it to spread. And you know what? I love the story of the Imaginelle cells. And I've talked about it actually on the show a few times. And uh, I've done even an imaginal uh, meditation awakening with my dear friend, uh, Ema Rose, who's been, who's been on before. And that's something that she guided everyone through a while back. If any of you want to search for that, I am a, and then Rose uh, in the archives. And you can go through the whole Imaginelle awakening that she does, which is really cool. And one of the things that she pointed out is ultimately you know, in this caterpillar is actually this destructive sort of critter, right? It just chews mm-hmm. up anything in its path and it's very destructive. And ultimately what happens in the end is, 
because imaginal cells are first pop up and the the you know the caterpillar cells you know destroy them attack them whatever and then they pop up more and more and band together and ultimately sort of um you know take over uh if you will and the the old caterpillar cells are actually used as a a a, f- a f- fuel supply as it metamorphosized into the butterfly. So all the pain and suffering and destruction that was created become, became the fuel for the butterfly to emerge. Mm. And uh, I think that's a really interesting sort of tie-in and way to look at that. Yeah, yeah. It's good recycling. <laughs> yes, exactly. It all has its point. Even, you know, all the things that uh, people can look at and, you know, kind of point a finger at. And, right. and it's so easy to fall into judgment and whatnot about the state of some of these atrocities. You know, the fact yeah. that we can, you mentioned world hunger, the fact that we could end world hunger today if we, if we chose, but we're not. And instead, we have a system where, you know, a, a handful of families control 40% of the wealth, you know, imaginary uh uh, wealth on the on the planet right, and, and right. small children are dying and uh it's just like it comes it, it it's like that's easy for people to get lost in the the um you know anger and whatnot but if you can see you can zoom out and see the 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 larger story and that's part of uh us you know turning into the butterfly and that actually is you know channel that anger into you know something productive to to help it help to be a solution you know focus on uh you know as buckminster fuller put it you know it's all about and just to paraphrase you can look up the exact quote but basically it's not about uh, fighting the old system but focusing your energy on building the new and um i think that's a slippery slope for a lot of people you know when when approaching this that's so well said you know there's so many people who get very caught up in the in the conspiracy stuff and maybe all of that is happening but it's not where our focus needs to be you know and, and if we yep. get too caught up in the anger and the victimhood and the you know the distrust and all of that we're, we're focusing on negative energy we're feeding more negative energy into the collective consciousness whereas right. when we shift and we say okay what can i do what can i focus on that brings the positive and we, we put our focus on the positive, then now we're feeding more positive energy into the collective. And, you right. know, even, even if um, there's that 1% that's suppressing, well, all we need to do is, you know, go beyond that 1% on the other side to tip the scales, right? right. So, so instead of giving our power away and saying, well, it's out of our control, it's all their fault, we need to take the power back and say it, it is within me power is within me and I am empowered to do something and to be the change that I want to see in the world. And let's, let's, let's focus on that. Right. So making the old system obsolete, which was the Buck Rinster Fuller quote, you know, right. It's because we've created the new system. So don't, don't tie up your energy in worrying about the old system and trying to fight it because that which we resist will persist. But Absolutely. if we focus on what we can create and create the new and get it to really build its momentum and, and find those critical mass points, then we will tip the scales. And, and once we really tip the scales, then I'm quite sure that those um, you know, families with money will, will also have a shift in their consciousness and some enough of them will redirect their efforts to actually support the new paradigm methods that are coming in. Uh, rather than just kind of sit on the fence or support the the other old system, right? Yes. So yep. so yeah, we we as we as the collective and the masses are the ones who need to really make the shift. And in the past, it might have been that it was the leaders that the the fate of the world was put on their shoulders. But in today's world, 
it's the masses, it's the whole, right? It's not the few, it's the whole that the, re- the fate of the world rests upon our shoulders. And, and we all have to kind of take personal responsibility for that. And that's exciting because that gives us opportunity to do something. It's empowering. Yeah, it's you're empowered instead of disempowered. And that's really the big key here is, you know, em- Find the perspective that empowers you and uh, do something in, in that direction. That is the direction to, to head to, yeah. you know, to create what the change you want to see in the world. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And that, that's also what I, what I love about the Modern Mystery School is that it is an organization that's a global, it's a global organization. It's, you know, they have people in about 55 different countries by now, but it's, it's an organization that is wow. really trying to help draw the people who really want to be change makers for the, that light, you know, for that more positive future, um, draw it together so that as, a, as we come together in numbers and we unify around uh, a mission that is about creating a world of peace and we um we become synchronized in that united mission working together uh and have the right those more empowered tools from the ancient lineage that has empowered you know world leaders in the past uh for for many generations we can now distribute that to a broader collective of of you know the, from the masses and then together we can can really make a big shift on the planet by hitting that critical mass and it's not just one organization you know it's going to be many organizations all yep. working together and so the mystery school also is is you know has certain outreach and we collaborate with other groups and so forth to you know as long as as long as everyone as long as you want what we want <laughs> and we're all going to yep. work together towards that mission of of creating world peace um, then, you know, we have to, we have to spread that, um, effort to, to really do it, but it's gotta be about the mission. You know, too yeah. often I find that people who are geared towards the mission at first, then it starts to become about something else. You know, the ego grabs hold, they, it becomes about fame or it becomes about money or it becomes about, you know, I'm the guru or, it be, you know, it becomes something yeah, right. else and it, and it kind of loses its, its integrity and that's where I find that um, personally on my journey, as I've continued to advance on my spiritual path and progression, the mystery schools always help me stay in, in check. <laughs> it's like it yeah, keeps me yeah, yeah. in that state of, you know, being humble, staying aligned with the mission, that that's the most important thing. And yet also claiming our power to, to really make that happen. Um, yeah. And so it's, uh, it's a really amazing amazing path and an amazing group of people to, to work with and the tools uh, to really empower us to make real transformation at a very core level within ourselves and then within our communities uh, because it starts locally. So. Right. Yeah. I saw a great quote yesterday um, that said something to the effect of, you know, go to your altar take the picture of your guru on it knock it down and put a picture of yourself there (laughs) and i think that's uh you know and i'm not going to say that that whole path hasn't worked for some people and i'm not here to really put it down or anything but i do i do feel like it's it's all about empowering yourself at this phase in our evolution so i read that really resonated with me it's like you know uh, even on this show you know having a lot especially in the daily episodes where i'm sort of you know giving my perspectives on how to shift you know how to how to sift and shift perspectives right that's what i do a lot of and it's like I, i always come back to you know hey first off we teach best what we most need to learn so (laughs) 
let's start there. And I think it's really important to to know that we're all teachers, we're all students, and um, you know, all anytime you felt disempowered up to this point, it's from a, a lack of truly understanding who and what you you are, and that is yeah. a divine emanation of source that is ready to remember, reconnect, and uh, in in to your the, the power that you actually have that's been dormant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a very similar philosophy in the mystery school. We say, um, uh, you know, I'm not a teacher. You're not a student. You're remembering. And I'm just here as a reminder. And, yeah. and then <laughs> as we progress on our path and, you know, the student starts to become a teacher or a reminder, <laughs> it's right. like... It's about a reminder, as I have reminder. on my Instagram. A yeah. reminder is what I <laughs> refer to myself as. <laughs> exactly, and and it's you don't have to necessarily have achieved mastery over that thing yet. You achieve mastery by stepping into service with that, and you teach what you want to master. And so it is a very different approach from old paradigm kind of way of well, you don't you don't belong at the front of the room unless you're perfect and you're master and all of this. It's like no, this is about we're all on this journey together. Some of us maybe are a few steps ahead of others and, you know, we've, we've walked that enough to be able to guide others to that next step. And, um, you know, and it is, this is the time of personal empowerment. And when people give their power away uh, to, you know, someone or something outside of them, then that's, that's actually weakening their ability to, to make the shift that they need to make right now and to make the contribution they need to make right now on the planet for us to really succeed at, at creating a better world. And so it is about getting the tools that you need to, to really master yourself, achieve your own enlightenment rather than having it given to you. Um, you, you maintain it, right? And that way no one can take it away from you. Or if, if that person ever were to transition, your, your enlightenment wouldn't be taken away with them because they didn't give it to you. You owned it. Right. You earned it. And it's yours. And yep. um, so that's, that's what we focus on. You know, with the with the ancient Beautiful. mystery school tradition is is the individual's empowerment and uh, right. just giving tools to help you achieve that. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Well, well, Teresa, this has been absolutely fascinating to pick your brain and and hear your perspectives on all these wonderful topics. And there are some that I won't, was hoping to get to that we didn't quite get to, but maybe another time we can we can do this again. What sure. is what is the best way for people to connect uh, if they want to, you know, follow you, connect with you? If they're interested in the mystery school. Where do mm-hmm. they go? Yeah. So um, I, my personal website is TeresaBullard.com, T-H-E-R-E-S-A-B-U-L-L-A-R-D.com. And um, on there, if they want to sort of follow me, best thing to do would be to just sign up for the newsletter. And then you start getting various articles and things like that. Some of my personal story that I share. Um, I'm also on Facebook and, you know, people can, can follow me on Facebook. I have a a page called um, Quantra Leadership Academy. uh, And then there's also my personal profile, Teresa Ibis Bullard. Uh, As far as the mystery school goes, there is a international uh, website for the mystery school called modern mystery school.com or modern mystery school int.com. Uh, they both go to the same site. And if they want to find a practitioner in their own area, they can go to the mm-hmm. modern mystery school website. And then there's a place, uh, on the main navigation called connect, I believe it is. 
And um, there, then there's a drop down that says to find a practitioner near, near you. And there's a whole list of certified practitioners and guides and teachers from the mystery school and all the different areas that they cool. live in. And yeah, so people can go directly to that to find somebody near them. Um, yeah, just, you know, follow us on Facebook and social media and uh, there will be much more coming as well uh, down the line in the next yes is is there more more what is planned for you uh, down the line oh god you have any definitive plan i really really want to announce something that i I, is not fully official yet but um ah uh well i will that sounds intriguing yeah yeah (laughs) sounds uh, like a mystery teresa you always got to have the mysteries (laughs) (laughs) there there is a uh, if people are interested so i I do have a youtube channel um with different videos on it that are accessible for free it's uh youtube um slash universal kabbalah kabbalah spelled with k-a-b-b-a-l-a-h and then Mm -hmm. um i also have i was interviewed on um Gaia TV on the oh, open cool. minds. Gaia sponsors the show. Oh god, great! Um, yeah, so yeah. yeah, Regina Meredith and I oh, um, had great. an interview, and so that one, um, I think it was called Alchemy for Soul Ascension. It was it was recently published in at the beginning of July, so people can look that cool. up. And uh, I'm in conversation now, and you know, moving forward with uh, hopeful plans to actually launch uh, my own series on Gaia. So, oh um, wow, exciting! Yeah, so there's there's more of that coming, and um, you know, the mystery school itself has got lots of plans and lots of movement right now to just create a, a more awareness and bigger reach, and um, it's a pretty exciting time. You know, I've, I've been on this path for. Uh, with the mystery school for, you know, 17 years now. And it just continues to evolve and grow and expand and, and become more and more able and ready to really serve the world. And um, it's been quite a journey. And and so right now, really, there's a lot of activity and there's a lot, this feels like there's something really big about to, to mm. shift for humanity in the next few years. And so we're just Agreed. really busy getting ready for that. So. I love that. Yeah, I actually met with Herka not too long ago, you know, the founder of Gaia. I don't know if you oh, had a chance to meet him. Uh-huh. And um, and uh, to talk about, and I actually put together a little trailer uh, for a docuseries that uh, I'm looking at doing where I'll go around and travel, you know, travel around and highlight people doing magical things all over mm-hmm. the world. You know, awesome. sort of like this, but... <laughs> you know, in locations with video. Yeah. yeah. And so taking it to the next level. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're definitely uh, come to the mystery school and, and, you know, see things how we do the world that would be perfect that'd be a perfect episode right yeah so so it's something that is uh definitely uh will be coming down the pipe uh at some point i've got a few other um projects that i want to tie up loosens on before i really dive in deeply into that but that's uh something that uh that i am working on manifesting so um yeah very very exciting (laughs) <laughs> Good luck with well, that. That sounds very Yeah, exciting. yeah. Maybe we'll all see you see you over there. If it ends up being a collab with uh, Gaia, then you know I'll see you in in Colorado, right? <laughs> yeah, <very> excellent. <laughs> well, thank you, Brandon, very much for for the time. It was a lot of fun, and would love to do it again sometime. 
Yeah, absolutely. I look forward to following all the great things you have coming. This has been such a pleasure. And I do have one last question I'd like to leave you with. Sure. Um, and that question is, in 60 seconds or less, what is the meaning of life, according to, to Teresa Bullard? <laughs> the meaning of life is to know thyself and to awaken your fullest potential so that you can you know, live a life of joy and express your passion and in so doing also make your own unique contribution into this world to help make the world a better place. So that's lovely. Well, you are doing that. You are doing it. And uh, I, I applaud all of your efforts and work. Thank you so much for being Teresa. It is a pleasure. All right. Thank you, Brandon. It was much my pleasure as well. Take care. Bye. Well, everyone, that concludes this week's interview episode. If you have enjoyed this positive download from our hearts and minds to yours, please take a minute, give us a rating or review on iTunes, since iTunes is the holy grail of all things podcasting. Uh, your good reviews help us to reach more listeners. Also, we would be extremely appreciative if you would tell your friends and family about the show. Our sincere intent with the Positive Head podcast is to spread positivity to the world, because, well, because we're selfish, quite honestly. Uh, I say that jokingly, but really only halfway joking. I'm referring to the good kind of selfish based on the knowing that we all get what we give in this life because when we give, we're actually always giving to extensions of self since we're all really one in the same consciousness, just in different bodies. So if you want to be a good selfish along with us by helping to spread the positivity, by all means, please proceed to shout about the Positive Head podcast from your rooftop. <laughs> Otherwise, as you continue on your fabulous journey in this 3D reality, be sure to remember this. As long as you ain't dead, you're already positive ahead. Journey well, everyone, and thank you for being.